The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to a very refreshing hour of business talk. This is Innovating Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP. The best-run businesses run SAP. You'll hear from the innovators who know how to use game-changing technologies and business strategies to shake up the status quo in your company's future and help your organization move in exciting new directions. Now, here's your host and moderator, Bonnie D. Graham. Welcome, welcome, welcome. And if you want to run with the Game Changers, you already know you're in the right place. The buzz today, game on. What is she talking about? Well, let's get serious here. Design thinking is based on the concept of deriving the needs of your users, then designing a solution to meet those needs. Isn't that what you want, regardless of what kind of business you're in? Product services, of course. But let's talk about that process. How will you engage the participants in design thinking to boost their creativity? And then how will you engage your target audience to actually use what you created? Those could be two huge challenges for anybody who thinks, wow, I'll come up with a great solution. Not so easy, but we have something that's going to help you. A very exciting word. I'm sure it's a made-up word recently. It's gamification. You've heard it before here on Innovating Innovation with Game Changers Radio. What is is it? Well, gamification can teach us about different user engagement styles, while design thinking tells us which styles will fit a particular user. So you can see how those two fit together. How can you team up gamification with design thinking? Think of those as two teams or two sweatshirts. Put them together in the same room, sit them side by side, and then generate successful innovative solutions we have a panel of exciting innovators who are going to help us figure this out so you don't want to go anywhere for the next hour. First up, I am very pleased to welcome back a gentleman who's been on with us before. His name is Mario Herger, H-E-R-G-E-R. He is with Enterprise Garage Consultancy. That's his company. And Mario, as always, has come up with a very creative opening quote for us. He's going way back in time to a movie called Pippi Longstocking. I actually remember that. Pippi Longstocking is the pro protagonist in an eponymous series of children's books by Swedish author Astrid Lindgren. Pippi was named by the author's then nine-year-old daughter, Karen, who requested a get-well story from her mommy one day when she was home sick from school. Let me just read you one more line. Nine-year-old Pippi is unconventional, assertive, and has superhuman strength. She can lift her horse with one hand. She is also playful and unpredictable. Maybe this describes Mario Herberg. Herger, he'll have to tell us in a minute. Here is the quote. People are stupid. In school, they learn plutimification, but coming up with something funny, that's not what they learn. Mario Herger, welcome back. How are you, Mario? Oh, thank you, Bonnie. I'm, I'm good. And Pippi Longstocking is one of my childhood heroes, so to speak. I loved watching the, the shows and the movie that they had on TV. And she was really this, this rebel, this this person who looked at problems from a very different angle. The 
unfortunately, uh, forget about that we need to look at un common angles at, at things. And design thinking and gamification are definitely something like that that, that fitted in. We, we have serious we have a lot of serious problems, but, but by looking at them only in a serious way, because they are so serious, is not helping us find the creative solution that really helps help solve that. Not only people long talking did that, it's also John Cleese who was talking about mm. that by saying many, many companies have these serious problems, but because they are so afraid this is such a serious problem, they are not opening their mind by using humor and fun and, and a gameful and playfulness. And I think that is what people long talking is one of teachers is going to teach us that she actually the problems a little bit more serious than you may think. Uh, others because she's authentic, she's honest, and she approaches them in a playful manner. Mario, when I read the introduction and read that Pippi is unconventional, assertive, and has superhuman strength, does that describe you? I have a feeling. Well, I do not have superhuman strength, yeah. I, I, I cannot <laughs> clap with one hand. <laughs> I cannot fly like a superman. But maybe I sometimes look more in a cheesy or cheeky way at things and try to pull in uh, the different areas where I learned or heard stuff in, and combine them in unexpected ways. That, that may be my pity in me. And I think the playful and unpredictable as well. Mario, thank you for a great opening. Well, first of all, the design thinking. Do you think people are, well, we're not going to go with people are stupid, but do you think they don't realize in big companies, small companies, that design thinking, gamification, you can be playful and creative? Is that something that people leave at the door when they enter a studio or a uh, workroom setting or even a relaxed uh, area in a company? Okay, everybody come together. We're going to talk about ideas. Do you think people leave playfulness at the door because they think it's verboten by the company leaders, Mario? Exactly. I, I totally agree. The playfulness is always game and, uh, games of playfulness and work. Somehow, is the opinion, do not belong together. This cannot work together. But we figure out, actually, it, it works very well together. We need this playfulness in certain things to come up with combinations of stuff. And you see that with a lot of successful Startups that we admire today, Google. Google's logo is just really playful, and the way they are changing that according to some celebrating a person in the past or uh, memorizing a certain day, or or even Tesla, a very serious car company, has a lot of these Easter eggs hidden in their software. Like if you enter a certain code in the dashboard, you suddenly see. James Bond car, a James Bond car popping up because Elon Musk is a James Bond fan. Uh, and, and this exactly makes us excited about, about such products or excited also about ideas and we are more willing to play with them and adopt them. So don't let playfulness out of the door when you enter the office. With gamification, actually, we invite playfulness into the, into the office. 
Thank you, Mario. Great opening to our show. I appreciate it. And again, welcome back. And don't go too far to play. You're going to stick around and play with us for the next 45 minutes or so. And now let me welcome our second guest. He's a newcomer to Game Changers. It is Jorg Niesenhaus, N-I-E-S-E-N-H-A-U-S. He coordinates the activities at Centigrade's Northwest Branch in Germany, responsible for gamification and interaction design. That's a new word for me, interaction design, new phrase. And Jorg has sent me a very interesting quote back from the Star Wars days, Obi-Wan Kenobi on Dagobah in the movie Return of the Jedi back in 1983. And here is the, well, let me just tell you, Dagobah, D-A-G-O-B-A-H, is a solar system in the Star Wars films, The Empire Strikes Back and Return of the Jedi. It also appears in a deleted scene from Revenge of the Sith that's a hard word to say. Yoda went into exile on Dagobah with a lightsaber battle with Darth Sidious. I'm just going to stop there because I'm way in over my head. In The Empire Strikes Back, Luke Skywalker is directed by the ghost of Obi-Wan Kenobi to seek Yoda on Dagobah. Let's leave it there. Here is the quote. Many of the truths we cling to depend greatly on our own point of view. Very, very fine words. Jorg Niesenhaus, welcome. How are you? Hey, I'm fine. Thanks. Hello. Thanks for joining us. Uh, so, talk to me. Are you a big fan of Star Wars movies, the Jedi, Obi-Wan Kenobi, George Lucas? What's your point of view on all of this? Yeah, yeah. Apparently, I'm, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Uh, uh, half of my uh, office is um, full of uh, miniatures and uh, action figures. So, yes, I'm, I'm a huge Star Wars fan. Yeah, that's why I picked it. Yeah. So, tell me how it relates and, and, to our topic. Yeah. Go ahead. Yeah, and I think um, uh, this this um, um, uh, um, refers to the um, yeah the user centered point of view when we are talking about design thinking gamification. I think it's very important as a designer to uh, not come up with the first idea and say okay that's, that's our truth let's make it that way, but uh, to have a deeper look at uh, the context, uh, talk to the users. Um, and get get a lot of information before starting to design uh, or to come up with ideas. I think it's very important, especially in the area of, of gamification design thinking, to uh, work very closely uh, together with the future users of your of your process of your software. Uh, without them, um, you cannot cannot generate uh, something great. And especially when it comes to um, uh, playfulness, um, people have um, a certain attitude towards gaming. They have uh, preferences, what they like to see on the screen, what they like to play with. And uh, it's very important for us to um, get in touch with the people um, and learn about the different truths, about, about, their, about their view on, on their work, on the process. And uh, yeah, that's where we uh, receive a lot of a lot of important information to to bring in the design process. Thank you, York. That's interesting. I'm I'm almost conflicted on this. As I'm hearing you talk, it makes a lot of sense. And my conflict is, we cling greatly to our own point of view. And I'm wondering, is it optimal? when you're in a design thinking experience or a group or what, however you want to position it, is it optimal to bring your own point of view or to open your own horizons and get rid of the walls, if you will, the barriers of your 
what you might be having as a narrow point of view and open up and let other people's viewpoints and input sink in and then think in a bigger way or a broader way. Is that one of the goals of adding gamification is to get us to free the, shall we say, the, the, the bonds or the boundaries or the reins around us? The, the, uh, what am I looking for? I'm looking like fetters. You know what I mean? Free those, those uh, things that are binding us to our own and say, wait a minute, I can think about something different now for the first time. So what, what do you see as the goal of gamification in the process? I think um, first you have to um, open up the mind of the people talking to them because when you first ask uh, a question about what people can imagine, what solutions, people always stick close to their uh, um, to their standard process and don't come yes. up with a playful idea. So the first uh, mission when we come to a company and, and talk with, our, uh, with them about gamification is to, to open their mind and uh, to broaden their sense for what is possible. And um, we often start with examples, um, very different examples from uh, the working area, from from um, outdoor activities, from games. So they got a much broader sense what can be possible, what can be an uh, um, influencing factor um, for, for the design process. And so they get a better idea what is what is uh, possible. And and then we, we go um, in, in discussion and we um, yeah, divide uh, team into smaller groups, um, bring Legos with us, a lot of pen and paper, and um, also look, in a, yeah, look into very um, yeah, creative methods. So the, also the, the process itself is, is very playful, and that's very important for us to, um, yeah, to, to help people to um, um, jump a bit uh, out of their comfort zone and uh, dive into the topic of gamification. Thank you very much. You answered my question beautifully, Jörg. I really appreciate it. We're delighted to have you on the show. And now let me turn to the person responsible for putting together this wonderful panel. It is SAP's Gilles Atlan, A-T-L-A-N, last name, if you want to look him up. And Gilles has sent me a quote from David Ben-Gurion. Most of you are familiar with the name. Uh, let's see. He wa- Let's see. He lived from 1886. I didn't realize it was that long ago to 1973. He was the primary founder of the state of Israel and the first prime minister of Israel. He had a passion for Zionism early in life and as head of the Jewish agency from 1935 and later its executive, he was the de facto leader of the Jewish community in Palestine and largely led its struggle for an independent state in mandatory Palestine. One more fact, on May 14, 1948, he formally proclaimed the establishment of the state of Israel and was the first to sign the Israeli Declaration of Independence and then became known as Israel's founding father. Now, here is the quote, and it's a good one. If an expert says it can't be done, get another expert. (laughs) Gilles Atlan, great quote. How are you, Gilles? Very good, very good. Thank you. Thank you for joining me, and thanks for putting together this panel. Very pleased with the points of view of your two colleagues. So tell me, are you a follower of Ben-Gurion, or how did you find this quote? Uh, so um, I, what, what's exciting in this uh, historical uh, event is the perseverance. And basically this quote is about the fact that you have to persevere. Uh, when someone says it's not possible, don't give up, try more. Or if you fail, get up and try again. So never, tr- never stop trying uh, because every time you fail something, you learn something, and then you will get it you will make it better. And um, how it links to design thinking, in design thinking methodology, we say fail early, fail often. And uh, as mm-hmm. you know, in most of the culture, uh, failing is a bad word, right? It's quite negative right. to fail. 
for example, in USA, in the startup culture, we don't say fail, we say pivot. Pivot is a very common word. It's basically you failed, then you learn something, and then you change direction, you pivot. Uh, so pivot right. is basically learning, uh, failing early, failing early in a startup, so it means you didn't burn all the cash, and you have still time to find a new, so, a new solution uh, to your product or new business model or new service, and then you get up and then you succeed. So that's why I like this quote. It's totally, uh, it's totally part of the mindset of design thinking. I like it too, and, and I think it's rather amusing, Gilles, because usually they say, well, there, there used to be a phrase about what is a consultant. I think Mario and Jorg will appreciate it. A consultant is somebody who, who works or lives more than 35 miles away from where you are. <laughs> that, that, that was it. Or it's somebody who charges three times what you would charge one of your colleagues is being paid to, to give you the same advice. So if an expert says it can't be done, get another expert. I guess that debunks the idea that an expert is an expert because if they were an expert, you would trust their word and their vision and their judgment. So a little bit of circular reasoning there, but certainly a very interesting, actually a rather charming quote. Thank you, Gilles, so much. Yeah. And Gilles, again, thank you for uh, bringing this panel together. And now it's time for us to find out a little more about our panelist, Mario Herger. I'm going to ask you where you're calling from and just one or two lines, one or two sentences about what is the Enterprise Garage Consultancy and what are you drinking today, Mario, or what do you plan to drink later when we're done? Mm-hmm. I live in Silicon Valley. Originally, I'm from Austria, worked in Germany for some time and am now in the San Francisco Bay Area. We have a very sunny day today. Uh, so I'm in the middle of all the innovation that's going on, and that's a lot of what I'm doing and dealing with at Enterprise Garage. Gamification is one part of that. It's a lot about behaviors, uh, but also innovation is a lot about how people behave and, and what they say, what they do, how they react to new ideas. That's influencing uh, that kind of uh, how how innovative this region is and influencing a lot of uh, other spaces and other regions in the world. So that's what that's what I'm doing. Writing also books on those topics. I've written a couple of books on gamification. My recent mm-hmm. book is about the Silicon Valley mindset itself. It's in German. What makes the people here different? It's not genetics. It's not the air. It's not the water here. It's really people can learn that. So that's what I'm talking about. What's in my cup? I yes. love coffee. I am from Vienna. We have a huge coffee tradition, and I'm drinking espresso without mm. sugar, without anything in addition to that. And the interesting thing is many people would say espresso is bitter. No. Uh, no. Espresso and coffee is not bitter. Uh, it is. It depends really on how the roast is, how the beans are, how the pressure. And there are so many different factors that come in there. It's almost... A magic dark art to do that. I've done once an espresso class in my favorite cafe in Palo Alto, and uh, for two hours we're trying to make the best espresso that we could. It's really, really difficult. And my favorite cafe today is an Italian cafe here, a little bit in the south, in, in Little Italy, in San Jose, where they have a coffee that's an espresso that's very, very smooth and sweet without putting sugar in that. And that I found fascinating. That sounds good. And I'm a purist like you. I have a Nespresso machine and I put a little bit of 1% milk in a very beautiful, heavy, round glass mug with a, a, it has the globe in white 
etching around. It's an old, uh, actually, Nescafe had a promotion in the 1970s, and these are beautiful cups with the globe, white on clear, and you can find them in sets of four or six on eBay. I bought a whole bunch of them. But uh, I put a little bit of milk in, and then I brew the coffee through the Nespresso, some kind of espresso. And when I'm being brave, Mario, I use the regular full caffeinated version. When I'm doing radio, I don't go near it because decaf doesn't even come close to what I need. And then I put a little milk on top, and I microwave it. I know what a terrible idea for about 14 seconds and it is delicious no sugar anything i think that's the best i can do and i love it so there mario great to hear about your your coffee it sounds wonderful now let's turn to Jorg. Jorg, where are you calling from and what are you drinking yeah i'm calling from uh, germany uh today from essen uh, i'm at home already because we're uh, around uh, 8 30 in the evening in germany already and I'm drinking uh, a cup of uh, gray tea. I'm not a coffee drinker. Uh, I never came across coffee. I tried it uh, once, twice, three times, but um, yeah, <laughs> never, I never enjoyed uh, the taste as much as the smell of coffee. So mm-hmm. I, I stick to the tea. And uh, when I was a kid, we used to travel a lot to the UK uh, because my mother was a au pair there. And so I got to... Uh, to learn about uh, all the uh, um, different tastes of tea, and yeah, then I I stay with a uh, great tea, and that's what I'm drinking in the morning, and uh, one normally in the afternoon, and sometimes as today in the evening to uh, stay awake. Yeah. Thank you very much. I appreciate that. Yes, yeah, sometimes. Do you are you drinking the Earl Grey that has the floral scents in it? I think there's one that has. I want to say lilac, but that's not the one. There are some floral notes that make them almost smell like flowers when you open the tea bag. Is that the one you're drinking? Yeah, exactly, exactly. Ah, yeah, yeah, that's, that's, that's one, yeah, yeah, yeah. Very delicious. That'll wake you up. Gilles Atlan, where are you? What are you drinking today? Yes, I am also in the Silicon Valley. I am at the SAP Palo Alto office right now. Uh, but I grew up in uh, Paris, in France, and I uh, lived and studied in Israel. And I study also in Manchester, UK, and for the last uh, 12 years I am in USA. And uh, what I like to drink is a hot ginger, uh, hot ginger drink. Um, mm-hmm. So I like ginger, the ginger test. Uh, it tastes uh, good at first, and then it burns a bit your throat, you know, it's a bit spicy, mm-hmm. and it wakes you up. <laughs> and uh, also ginger makes you feel good about uh, your own health. Everybody says it's good for your health, uh, so you, you feel like you are doing something good by drinking ginger. And uh, and also when I go to sushi restaurant, when I eat mm-hmm. sushi, I always end up eating more ginger than sushi itself. And uh, so I go for ginger when I can. I'm with you. I love the shaved pink ginger they serve with sushi. And I don't know whether they do it where you are, but we have uh, some Korean supermarkets called H Mart, and you can buy sushi already prepared. You can get a brown rice avocado roll, something like that. And they have a little bit of fresh shaved shaved pink ginger in there with the wasabi on the side. And that ginger, when it's cold, I agree, Gilles, it's very refreshing, and I think it's very good for you. Yeah, give me sushi anytime and give me a lot of ginger to go with. It. Gentlemen, they only let me have cool, clear water on radio show days. I think you figured out why. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and we are talking today with Mario Herger, York. Neeson House and Jill Atlan at uh, are here. We're here on Innovating Innovation with Game Changers. Our topic today, if you haven't guessed it, we're combining gamification with design thinking. And here's the title we came up with: Design, design Thinking Engagement. Gamify. 
that's going to be the solution we're coming up with today. We're thinking outside the box with three very exciting thinkers. So we'll be right back. Don't even think of touching that mouse, that app, that dial. We have so much more, and you're going to learn a lot, I promise. Matt out. The pace of innovation is moving faster than ever, and the future of business will be defined by how quickly business leaders adapt to accelerated ongoing change. Factors as diverse as insights from growing volumes of data, the new global pool of talent, resource scarcity, and business networks and supply chains are shaping the definition of future success. Join our experts as they analyze and discuss how business leaders can shape the future of change. Innovating Innovation with Game Changers is presented by SAP. Visit www.sap.com. You're listening to Innovating Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP. Email your comments and questions to bonnie.d.gram at sap.com. And you're invited to tweet during and after the live show at Twitter hashtag SAPRADIO. Now, let's get back to Innovating Innovation with Game Changers. Welcome back. This is Innovating Innovation with Game Changers Radio. We're talking today with three very special guests, Mario Herger at Enterprise Garage Consultancy, Jorg Niesenhaus at Centigrade, and Gilles Atlan at SAP. I'm still Bonnie D. Graham, and I plan to be when they're done with me. I'm learning a lot today about design thinking engagement. The buzzword is gamify. That's right, game on. So we're going to start our roundtable now, and I'm ready to talk to Mario Herger. I'm looking at your notes, Mario. And let's start with this very important definition. Gamification is first and foremost not about doing what serves managers and companies. Gamification is about what interests employees. Let's go from there. Mario, why don't you tell us more? That may be a contradictory statement because why are we creating companies? So that we reach a goal of the company and that's why we hire people and get them in. But as we, as it turns out, in the end, I'm choosing a company also because I want not only to earn money, but if I have an opportunity, I also want to change the world, make something better. And in my workshops, uh, I always show a little video of a boy uh, not lifting the toilet seat when he is peeing, and which means that he splashes all over the place. And his father, of course, could punish him and, and do other things in order to get him lift the toilet seat. But what the father does is instead of looking at his own goals, not having the boy splash on the toilet seat, he does something else. He looks at what the boy interested in and starts making it a gameful approach with a cowboy painted on the toilet lid and with music coming on. And suddenly the boy is in a high noon scenario, in a story included. And here the father did exactly what I would like to see more for managers, uh, that they look not at their own goals, uh, Mm -hmm. but that they look at what actually motivates my employees. And when we are able to figure it out and help them to reach these goals, what happens is that they go the extra mile. They do not only do the work that, that they are supposed to do, but they do more than that because indirectly I reach this goal by directly helping 
the employees reach their goals. And that's why I mentioned the sentence that we need to change that, that managers need to look at it from a different perspective, not reaching the manager's goal, but looking at the goals that the employees have. Very interesting. I can only imagine the reaction in the audience when you give these workshops, Mario. I'm just going to let the audience on this show just decide for themselves. That is certainly a bold way of looking at it. Jörg Niesenhaus, talk to me. Thoughts about any part of what Mario just said? experience when we come to companies um, and talk about gamification and think about how to, to change the process. Uh, many, the management people are often skeptical, okay, can we align our goals to the goals of our employers? And uh, sometimes they see this in a stark contrast, but uh, when we start uh, um, thinking about uh, how to gamify the process, how to perhaps change the process, set up another theme like, like Mario talked about to, to uh, put everything in, the, uh, in another perspective. Uh, they see sometimes uh, the switch, uh, we see the switch when they uh, get the idea, okay, this is in a different theme, a different game, but we have similar goals and uh, we, we can uh, achieve a similar goal. And, and that's uh, often the, uh, the moment we we're looking for when, when people uh, see there's an opportunity to connect their goals. It's not uh, always management versus employee uh, versus workers' council and all the other stakeholders in the process. But there's, there is a possible theme, uh, a game, um, which, which can be established where all are winners. And that's, I think, also very important that gamification um, brings together very, very different people uh, in, in the process of establishing a gamified process. And uh, that's always, uh, when, when everything comes together, it's very beautiful for us to see uh, how this can change uh, um, a whole company uh, a pro- a process or um, the, the, yeah, the attitude towards, towards games. And um, it's, it's, uh, it's a tough, uh, tough process. It's not always that easy as it sounds. Uh, uh, sometimes um, the management says, okay, this is not a kid's birthday party. We're not going to play here at all. And, and we sometimes um, we, um, we don't use uh, the game uh, or gamification uh, in definition, but also uh, come up with uh, more motivational psychology and other, other topics that uh, transport the same uh, uh, same contents, but uh, sound different, and uh, um, that sometimes helps. Yeah. Thank you very much. Your good insights, Jill. Please join us. What are your thoughts on the purpose of gamification or the the goal? Who is it? For, yeah, to, for whom? to me, to me, gamification is really about the engagement style. How can you engage? How will you engage your user, your customer, or your employee? What will excite them? And uh, basically, they look few years ago. They look at this always successful game, and uh, they wonder why, how are they doing? How can they get millions of users in a short amount of time? How did they do that? So they look at it, and then they find out that they have different kind of engagement style. If you look at the game SimCity, for example, they let the user compete, so they get excited because they compete, but also they are excited because they can collaborate. So if that's collaboration is another engagement style. They can collaborate mm-hmm. with other players in order to build the city. And they can also express themselves by building their own city. They can express, they, be, they build it in their own way, their own design. And they can explore what other players are doing. So gamification is about engagement style, four different kind of engagement style, compete, collaborate, express, and explore. And that's what excites people. Uh, so whatever solution you design, 
think about what, how your user is going to be engaged. And in order, in order to know how your user will be engaged, you have to understand your user, and that's where design thinking is. Design thinking, the first phase of design thinking is really to understand your user, to really uh, talk to him, analyze, know what he's doing, know what he's feeling, know what he's thinking, because what people say is not always what they do, it's not always what mm -hmm. they feel, and it's not always what they think. So you have to really get to know your user or your customer, and then you can derive their needs, you understand their engagement style, and then you can build a solution that follow their engagement style. Thank you. Good, good conversation around the table. Mario, I have a question for you, and I'm going to run it by the other three before we move on to a new topic from Jorg's list. Uh, Mario, when you give these workshops, is there any resistance from any particular segment of your audience? I'll just use the audience as broad, meaning the attendees, in terms of their uh, their gender, in terms of their age, in terms of their longevity in the workforce, in terms of their longevity or endurance in that particular work setting, meaning how many years they have worked for that company. So any any differences you can discern just by seeing their reaction to gamification, Mario? When you call it gamification, talk about games, mm -hmm. of course there's a different reaction. The, the, yes. Let's say the older folks, yeah, my age, a little bit, about my age, they would they would be skeptical about that because after all, we're doing serious work, right? But if you're not talking about gamification and just use, apply it, and not telling them that gamified, uh, we see no difference in who's using that. Uh, in, when we look at the distribution of ages and genders, there is the same amount of engagement that we can find. Uh, now, the thing is, uh, they, even those skeptics who who would say I would never use that are surprised to figure out how many gamified solutions they're already using without knowing that because it does not come and look like a game. It doesn't have this bling bling in your face. Uh, just think of Amazon. Amazon is a completely gamified system. It notches you into certain behaviors. When you search a book and it tells you only three items left in stock, uh, you start thinking, oh, my God, if I'm not going to buy that book right now, somebody else will buy my book. So they already start having ownership without even having bought that and feel that competitive pressure here. And that is what gamification does. It does it little nudges, and that's really independent from who you are, uh, what gender you are, how old you are. It's human. It's a human thing. I like the human thing. Uh, Jorg, thoughts on reaction to gamification, no matter what you call it, when you're talking about design thinking, gamification, thinking outside the box, thinking in terms of getting past, uh, I think uh, Gilles just said, past what people think and what they believe and what they say and what they see, trying to really get to the meat of, of what will work for them, what the user wants. Uh, what do you think? Do you see any differences in the audience's demographic components, Jorg? Yeah, I've a similar experience as Mario. I think um, they are they're very open-minded people that are um, mm -hmm. my age or older, but of course it's always easy to address uh, younger people which are closer, uh, more closely attached to games. Uh, the digital natives, uh, of course, know, know more about games and are more open when it comes to, uh, to games. But I think um, when people understand what's possible with, uh, with, um, with games and um, with, um, how to address the needs and, as uh, Jill pointed out, 
uh, to, to engage people, I think all people see the benefits. It's uh, sometimes a different point on how to get there to, to, to discuss with the people. And sometimes people, of course, drop out in this, uh, in this process of discussion and say, okay, this is nothing for our company and we're not um, yet, there yet, some people say mm -hmm. that to us when we talk about gamification and then we stick to, um, um, to more yeah, traditional uh, process uh, methods to, 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 for example, focus on, on usability, user experience. But I think um, even when we're not saying we're um, working with, with gamified elements, we always do, but because um, uh, me and my colleagues are always thinking in, in terms of, of uh, gamification and design thinking, so you cannot kind of stop Stop this uh, process, uh, but sometimes we're talking less about gamification and project, but uh, doing it uh, uh, um, also uh, in this project or bringing bring game elements to to the process, uh, but without talking about. Uh, Thank possible. you, Jörg. And and you are one of our experts here because you are the head of gamification at Centigrade, I see in your bio. Thank you. Gilles Atlan, let's get your point of view on this before I move on. What do you think, Gilles? What do you observe? Stratification in the audience based on experience with gamification, knowledge of the word gamification, age, gender, longevity in the company. Any Anything jump out at you? Yeah, that, that's a great question. Um, uh, often, I, I, I don't state even, I don't say even the word gamification, not to confuse them with game. Uh -huh. And uh, I directly use the gamification principle, but immediately I tell them gamification is not about games. It's about engagement style of your user. It's about, it's about user experience. And I give them a simple example. For example, the user life cycle. When, whatever solution you build, if it is a software solution, an enterprise software, or even how to run a church, when you have a user in gamification, they define the user into three stages. At the beginning, he's a newbie. Your user, your mm -hmm. customer, at the beginning, is a newbie for your solution. Then you have to make it becoming a regular and then an enthusiast. So when he is a newbie, it, you do the onboarding. If you play games today, you play immediately. You don't have to register. You don't have to fill a form of 10 fields. You do have to read a manual of 10 pages. You immediately play and game and gain some values. So whatever you do, your software is doing, your enterprise software, you have to welcome the newbie and immediately give value to the newbie and then bring this newbie into a regular by creating a habit forming and a habit building and then make this newbie become a master. Uh, so that's an example of uh, uh, one uh, gamification principle that you can use and, in, and, and tell this story in order to inspire the people that we are going to build a solution during your design thinking workshop. But uh, you, as you say, you can... By, pass, by not uh, focusing too much on the world game, uh, people are more uh, willing maybe to adopt it or listen to it. But, you know, nowadays, uh, anybody above 40, 50 years old, uh, below 40 or 50 years old, we all have some game experience, and we all know how engaged we were sometimes, and we spend hours doing something. And so now we are just explaining why we were engaged, how it mm. comes we were so engaged in our games. And let's apply the same technique into our software that we are designing today. Thank you very much, gentlemen. I'm going to circle around to Jorg Niesenhaus, to your notes, Jorg. Uh, interesting here. Let me just read a topic and ask you to comment. We'll go around the table. Games are learning systems. You can't play 
without learning and you say games teach us how to be played first we start with the basic game mechanics and learn how to overcome the challenges and accomplish our first goals we try we fail we learn from our failures we hope and we get better and better until we reach the next goal this continues until we master every aspect of the game we hope or until we quit in search of new challenges so how does this work in in uh, we'll call it corporate game playing is do, do people understand hello bob we're going to bring your company gamification for design thinking collaboration purposes and don't worry we're not just sitting around wasting your people's times with games this is a learning system but it's going to be fun and playful and creative how well would bob repeat receive that york yeah that's it's, uh, it's a tough uh, tough one because um uh, as easy as it sounds, it's not as easy uh, uh, designing games uh, nor gamification experiences. So even with games, you have to think about what uh, what are the first challenges you present to your to your player. And of course, in games, most of these challenges are artificial. So we create mm-hmm. artificial challenges to overcome them and to get better and better and better. And, and then when you can come to the corporate world, then you can think of okay, what what hurdles, what challenges do we have here? And um, how can we bring them in, in context of, of a story, of a theme, for example, and how to uh, generate perhaps um, a certain um, arc uh, of, um, um, of, of um, tension to, to get to the next goal. And that's, I think, a very interesting process to, to think of uh, where to start in, in a company world. Do we perhaps have a real challenge or do we generate an artificial challenge? As a starter, and then uh, combine this with with uh, um, yeah challenges, real challenges from from the work, uh, from the work uh, environment, and uh, that's where where um, the the game thinking I think uh, starts as as a process uh, to to combine artificial challenges uh, goals with the uh, uh, yeah natural choices from from the work environment, and I think that's that's a um, most interesting um, part of the process to um, come up with a theme of, of a basic basic gameplay idea um, because in games you normally have a, um, um, a very um, good good um, um, basic design pro, um, um, yeah, gameplay process where you have certain game mechanics which are running in loop over and over again and uh, when you find this magic loop, um, people stick mm-hmm. to it and, and, and enjoy it. And that's, that's uh, the biggest challenge, I think, in the corporate world, to find this um, basic gameplay loop um, that people enjoy. Thank you. And we entered the word enjoyment. Wow, what a concept. Going to work, enjoying it, thinking creatively outside the box, helping the company come up with better solutions and products and services for customers and changing people's lives. What a concept. Thank you, Jorg. Gilles, talk to us. What do you think about the concept that, as uh, Jorg introduced, that games are learning systems? What do you think? Yes, I mean, uh, I like uh, York saying that uh, in game, when you fail, it's not a big deal. You just play again. And mm-hmm. that's basically, that's a culture, that's a mindset that in a company we need to adopt. Uh, and so it, again, relates to uh, the word failure, that when you fail early and often, then you learn a lot of things. Uh, you didn't invest too much skin in the game. You didn't fail later, because when you fail later, that hurts a lot. But if you fail mm-hmm. early, you didn't... Too much skin in a game. You learn a lot of things, and then you 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 can design an, a better solution. You learn something more about your user. Uh, so, 
uh, it has to be in the mindset of the of the company because uh, if you if your manager doesn't understand that it was positive for you to fail early and then you don't get your bonus because of that then that's bad so it really has to come from uh, top down so it's really uh, a mindset that has to be uh, to be part of the culture of your company Thank you, Gilles. I'm, I'm looking at your notes. Mario, I'm going to circle around to you in a second. And, and Gilles says, I think this is on your point, Gilles. He says, well-managed companies struggle to be innovative because they are well-managed. Good management practices will minimize the risks, seek certainty, refuse failure. They're looking for short-term outcomes. Did those those hit what you just said, Gilles, right? That's yes, the point. exactly. Big, big companies uh, uh, are used for to work in a specific way for so long. And the way for them to work is to minimize risk, to seek certainty, to refuse failure. However, to be able to innovate, uh, to have a good innovation practice, you have to manage risk. You need to take some risk and manage it. You need to embrace ambiguity. Not everything is 100% sure. And you need to be able to accept and enable failure as well, as well and also plan for long, long-term outcome, not always short-term outcome. And uh, basically, that's what started, uh, startup are doing. But when a, a company starts to get bigger and bigger and bigger, then we start to go to, into this mainstream way of managing the company, and then the company has mm-hmm. a hard time to innovate. So the only way for a big company to innovate is to buy small companies, but then <laughs> most of the time they buy it and destroy the whole spirit in it. Uh, <laughs> and the people quit the company, and the ideas get destroyed, destroyed, and then again they have to buy another company. Uh, so that's, that's totally related to what we, we said. It's like buying new shoes and you wear them out too soon. You don't take care. You just have to keep buying new shoes. I'll leave that one on the table. <laughs> Mara, I don't know what made me think of that. Carrie, Carrie Bradshaw from Sex in the City. Uh, I'm back to Mario. Mario, thoughts on what Jorg started and Jill has so eloquently added to? Any thoughts on this? Learning systems? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. The learning style is a very interesting discussion. There are, there are in companies two states. You can, on the one side, have, an ex- have a task uh, or a job where you constantly learn, and then there are jobs where you're not learning at all. And i give you some example. One is, mm-hmm. one is where you, let's say, you do market research, and uh, you get all the data and try to figure out uh, what's a good market for your new product or what is the market missing. And then you're learning. So that means uh, your skills and uh, you, uh, what's required are kind of in the balance. And uh, if you do that 10 times, it becomes boring, this work. Uh, so it needs to become more challenging. You may want to look not just at a local market, but maybe then at a, at a global market. And that's how you learn. That's what games are doing very well. They are nudging constantly you up to a higher difficulty level once you master the current. And that way, the, the game keeps being challenging, and you know you can do that, and it's not getting boring or being too frustrated, too frustrating if it's too difficult. But then, unfortunately, or interestingly, there are jobs where you are not learning at all. Let's say you're standing on the conveyor belt in an automotive mm-hmm. company, and you're just doing for two years always the same five screws screwing at the end of the car. And that is a real problem. Uh, always doing the same kind of task. Uh, you're not learning there. You know, maybe the first day you'll learn something, but not for the next two years. So how do you uh, make it more interesting for the people then? Uh, a game typically really brings you up to learning something new. And, and, and you are 
getting into this flow theory, that you are getting into this flow or in this flow zone that keeps you engaged. But with such a state where you're not learning, that's not going up, how do you make it, uh, how do you keep it interesting or not boring? And, and there may be a different state, like in a swing state, like rowers in a boat who are in mm-hmm. sync with the machine, with the team and everything. And here we may be learning from other spaces such as songs, labor songs that were in the past in uh, the UK, in, in Europe, in, in the US, uh, prison songs, and so on, where uh, people went over that into kind of a trance to work and felt good about doing this boring work. So there are there are alternatives, and this is especially in the blue collar world, uh, blue collar workers. For those people, you may ending up quickly in such a swing state that you need to apply to. While in white collar jobs, you have more often the opportunity to use a learning, have a learning experience. Thank you, Mario. Good comments there, and I'm getting an echo here. Um, I'm going to turn to Gilles. I'm going to turn to Gilles notes here. Gilles, I want to make sure we get one of your topics in, even though we've already covered quite a few. Uh, let's talk about where gamification should fit into the design thinking process. And you say something very interesting here, Gilles. You say it could be applied during the ideation phase of design thinking. And then you say there are three phases that precede that. First, you have scoping, then research, then analysis, then ideation, and after that, prototyping and validation. So is this a standard company should use, Gilles? Should they say, okay, we've got these one, two, three, four, five, six phases and Gamification has to target that ideation phase so we can get people to open up and have that fun and excitement and thinking outside the box. What do you see, Gilles? Yes, yes. So in design thinking, you know, the first, uh, if you divide it in two main phases, all design thinking, the first, you try to understand what's going on. You try to gather a lot of information about your user. And then you analyze this information and you derive the needs of your user. Once you have the needs, then you are ready to ideate and you are ready to come up with ideas. But whatever ideas you come with or whatever solutions you come with, how are you going to engage the user to use that new solution? And that's where gamification come, come in. How are you going to excite this user? How are you going to make this user talking about that solution to others, uh, being, being excited uh, about it? So that's where I introduced gamification during the ideation phase to inspire people. For example, telling them, okay, you have this solution. What, how are you taking care of the newbie? How do you move a newbie? How do you create a habit uh, building of this newbie and make this user become a regular user? And how do you make this regular user become a master, an enthusiast? And that will be your evangelist. Uh, so that's uh, that's really the place I think where design thinking can be expanded, and can, uh, where gamification can be used in design thinking, and um, I think that's what uh, uh, is happening slowly, slowly. This this merging of uh, design thinking principles and uh, gamification principles will be mostly done during the ideation phase. Thank you very much, Gilles. And you know what? We're almost out of time. We've got four and a half minutes left, and I want to make sure we get a prediction from each of you. But Mario, very briefly, there's one point here I know we have to talk about in your notes. I'm just going to read it and have you give me two sentences. I know it's going to be hard for you, but two sentences on comments. So here, you say, companies today spend billions of dollars on HR, and I quote Mario Herger, but they do a terrible job. Games have more data 
on the strengths and weaknesses of the players than billion-dollar companies have on their employees. Mario, why don't you give me just two sentences of comment, and then we're going to ask you for your prediction. Go ahead, Mario. Yeah, just look at how companies today are doing performance feedback rounds. It's a rule of thumb. No data behind that. Just rule of thumb. Games, in order to level you up, in order to get you to, to reward you, they collect a lot of data. And this is the future of uh, HR to be make employment more objective and more fair for employees. Thank you, thank you, thank you. Okay, now, I love the year 2020, Mario. You know that from the last time you were on. I still love it, but it's almost not the future. It's coming up so quickly. So how far in the future do you think we would have a different conversation, Mario, about gamification and design thinking? Mario, I can give you, oh, I can give you about 30 seconds. 30 seconds. Predictions, Mario Herger, I know it's going to be tough. Go ahead, Mario. I think we're already in the middle of it, that the transformation we are not talking that much about gamification anymore. We just apply it, and that's the, that's the good thing to see. And in the future, it will be something, in 2020, it will be something that's normal in there, and we will look at things that are not gamified or something. Well, that's like Stone Age rotary telephone that we have here and not a modern experience. Thank you very much. Brief and to the point, Jörg Niesenhaus. Centigrade, go ahead. 30 seconds, predictions, what will change and when? Jörg? Yeah, I think um, uh, in the next five to ten years, we, we won't talk much much more about gamification because it will be uh, very typical to to, um, to integrate game mechanics, uh, think about engagement uh, in, in our daily work life. So I think it will be great when we don't have to talk about it anymore in this this. Uh, uh, certain area, but uh, that it becomes a normal part of, of the design process. That um, I think this will uh, be a huge benefit for for people working um, with with gamified processes, and they won't even think about it if it is gamified or not. Uh, it's just more attractive than it was before. Thank you. Good point, Gilles Atlan. Thirty seconds predictions. Go fast, please. Yes. So we are moving uh, to the cloud. So most of the software moves to the cloud. So it means it makes it easier for the user to switch vendor. So in order to keep this user, we want to have them engaged. And the way to engage them is to have some kind of gamification into uh, the user experience. So I totally agree with Mario and Jörg. The gamification and design thinking will totally become mainstream in the design process of a product. Thank you very much. I have a prediction that we're going to get rid of that very clunky word gamification and come up with something. Who knows? Maybe it'll be the word fun. Ideation and fun. Wow, what a concept. Thank you, Mario Herger. Nobody's reacting to that one yet. Thank you, Jorg Niesenhaus. You like that? Do you like that? Yeah. Okay. Yes. And Gilles Atlan, a special thank you to Gilles for assembling a wonderful panel and to Oski Olmez at SAP for working on this series. And a shout out to former SAP colleague Michelle Sirier for sponsoring the series for two years. We're in season three. I'm Bonnie D. Graham, and here's my call to action. Fasten your seatbelt. What are you waiting for? Have fun. Gamify. Go out and learn and be important and be useful. Fail fast and fail often, but most important, go out and be a game changer today. Signing off for now. Bye-bye.
Thanks again for tuning in to Innovating Innovation with Game Changers, presented by SAP, the best-run businesses run SAP. To keep the conversation going, tweet your questions and comments to Twitter, hashtag SAPRADIO. Please join your host, Bonnie D. Graham, on Thursdays at 7 a.m. Pacific Time, 10 a.m. Eastern Time on the Business Channel. We wish you a positively game-changing week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. 